0: Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Prepare to gag, yeah! Good evening and welcome to Radio Gag, the weekly Gays Against Guns show. Radio Gag is your weekly update on how to end the horror that is the American gun violence epidemic. I am Sarah Germaine Lilly.
1: And I'm Ty Kersley. This week we will talk to Ken Kidd about Gag's new campaign against Wells Fargo. We're calling it Wells Far-No. Uh, also, we will speak to Sunny Moon, who will brighten up everyone's day because we have so much progress on uh, the GVP movement. So first, the latest gun violence prevention news.
0: Democratic presidential candidate Beto O'Rourke on Sunday dismissed criticisms that his recent rhetoric on gun control is playing into the hands of the National Rifle Association. During the third Democratic debate on Thursday, O'Rourke said he planned to take assault rifles from civilians as part of a nationwide buyback program in response to a spate of mass shootings afflicting the country in recent years. The emphatic comments raised concerns among his his fellow Democrats that they would offer fuel for attack ads by the NRA, feeding into the idea that Democrats were out to destroy the Second Amendment. When questioned on his own voting record on guns while he was a Texas representative, O'Rourke rejected that he was ever one of the silent and complicit members of Congress he derided. O'Rourke said he has long advocated for banning assault rifles in Texas, a state where gun politics can draw particularly strong reactions. One Texas lawmaker, State Rep Briscoe Kane, tweeted, My AR is ready for you in response to O'Rourke's statements in Thursday's debate. Earlier Sunday, fellow Democratic hopeful Pete Buttigieg agreed that O'Rourke's comments at the debate played into the NRA's hands, adding that there is a consensus in the country to making serious steps towards curbing gun violence, from banning the sale of new assault rifles to red flag laws and universal background checks. This is a golden moment to finally do something because we have been arguing about this for as long as I have been alive, Judge said. Let's make the most of it and get these things done.
1: Next, an upstate man busted for shooting a car and then threatening to harm himself is the first person to have his guns confiscated under the New York's new red flag law. Robert King, 51, was accused of illegally possessing and firing a pistol that struck a parked car in New Lebanon. Police said that after his arraignment, King said something about hurting himself, so authorities filed an extreme risk protection order. His weapons, a pistol, and seven long guns were seized on September 4th. King waived the formal hearing based upon clear and convincing evidence against him, Judge Patrick McGrath said. Both sides agreed that his guns would be taken away for a year. Although the state can introduce new evidence to extend that period, King can also request another hearing during the year to try to get the guns back sooner. King made obscene gestures to reporters outside the court, but his lawyer stated that he was a good family man, a business owner, and a volunteer firefighter. New York's red flag regulations, which went into effect last month, prevent people who show signs of being at risk to themselves or others from purchasing or owning a firearm. Cuomo signed the legislation in February, making New York the 17th state to have such a law. Senate Deputy Leader Michael Gianaris of Queens, one of the bill's sponsors, said: The bust shows the law is already working. Common sense gun safety reforms saves lives. Our new red flag law will keep guns from dangerous people, and I am proud to see its enactment is already making people safer. We had national cries to strengthen gun laws. Um, After the massacres in El Paso, Texas and Dayton, Ohio in early August, President Trump said after the shootings that he would consider a red flag bill, but that has uh, not advanced at this time. The National Rifle Association objects to such bills, arguing that the law-abiding citizens could have their weapons seized in violation of the Second Amendment. Um, However, I don't feel that's what this case shows at all. Uh, I think it's not a people hunting after anyone to take away guns in this particular scenario. I think it's someone who was a threat to themselves. They already shot a gun, uh, which he shouldn't have had at the time. Um, And they came to an agreement that uh, he shouldn't be around the ones that he owned. So I think this helps anyone who is dismissing these laws as an attack on gun owners, is more as like, there are certain times in your life where you shouldn't have access to something that's so lethal.
0: Yes, and we know that suicides are an epidemic, and they are so much more deadly when, when the victim really has uh, access and to two, a there, deadly weapon.
1: And there are two thirds of our um, deaths of gun violence are um, about two thirds are suicides. So, any, anyone who uh, is going through something or at that point in time, uh, and they actually make an announcement, you know, that they are thinking of hurting themselves, I think this bill. Uh, uh, was put in time at the right place uh, for Mr. King.
0: Now, we also saw for the first time on, on Facebook and on social media that Walmart has begun enforcing their um, no open carry laws. That was new, and I know people have fought for that for a long time in the gun violence prevention movement.
1: Right. I think. Um, I think what's interesting is that this is one of the first times that we've had especially mass shootings, because that generally takes up a lot of news time and a lot of um, reactions, a lot of debate about this movement. But this is the first time, like, a week later, we didn't stop talking about it. Um, actually, everyone just started putting forth uh, measures to uh, make everyone safer. So I'm really excited about the movement growing. And um, especially, we'll talk later about the Democratic debate. I mean, more just now, fine. We'll talk about how, at the, at the end of the day, um, this is now on the platform where it has to be discussed. And I'm very excited that extremely intellectual uh, individuals will be discussing it, and they will be talking about different plans and uh, going forward, and that will open the discussion with Americans instead of it maybe being so polarized, where there's um, either take guns away or, um, I don't know, what other options the other side has. Uh, so I want to see this debate um, brought up on this level, certainly, certainly now after all of these um, new reforms. Great.
0: Well, it is time for our in-memoriam. This is when we take time to honor a person who was a target of gun violence, who lost their lives, and we have our in-memoriam this week. Ty Kersley.
1: B. Love Slater, a black transgender woman, was brutally murdered two weeks ago. Slater, 23, was found burned in a vehicle in Cluston, Florida, on September 4th. According to reports, she was tied up and shot before she was burned, of the known transgender people killed this year, 12 had died from gun violence. One, um, I'm sorry, of the more than 150 known victims of anti-transgender violence from 2013 to present, approximately two-thirds of those killed were victims of gun violence. Slater is remembered by loved ones as someone with a really, really sweetheart who never harmed anyone. Uh, the funeral home wrote, in a Facebook statement, Be love was loved by many family, friends, and neighbors. Slater would have turned 24 a few days after her murder. Slater's friends believe she may have been targeted because she was transgender. Uh, Slater is the 18th known transgender person killed this year. A majority of them were black transgender women. Slater was killed the same week as Bailey Reeves, who was in memoriam last week on this program, a 17-year-old black transgender teen who was shot in Baltimore on Labor Day. Now, an injustice compounding injustice, Slater was deadnamed by law enforcement and in initial reports. There are currently very few explicit legal protections for transgender or gender-expansive people. Transgender people in Florida are not explicitly protected across many aspects of daily life, including housing and employment, and they are not covered under the state's hate crime legislation.
0: Be love.
1: Of all the names to pick for yourself. Um, you know, she had the opportunity to give give the world uh, her true self and sh- she could choose any name and uh, she chose Beloved.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you used a term dead named that I'm not so familiar with. Can you explain what that means?
1: Sure. It's sort of similar like being uh, misgendered. If uh, if you're trans and you uh, tell the world who you are and the world doesn't tell you who you are, You you tell us who you are. Uh, So B. Love was her name. And in the early reports and in uh, obituaries, this happens more and more and more with transgender people that their birth name was used uh, instead as if to um, basically dismiss uh, who they were as a person as far as I'm concerned.
0: Well, thank you. It's good to remember her.
1: Uh, Next, we have an interview uh, with Ken Kidd, Um, And he's going to talk about our new campaign, Wells Fargo. We've brought up on the show a lot that Wells Fargo is the bank of the NRA. um, But how does that relate to them contributing to gun violence? Simply put, it's just they are the source of funding for a very profitable industry, for a lobbying group that is second only to big pharma in the United States. And the simple fact is that if we as Gays
2: Against Guns want to follow the money, as our hashtag says, it leads right back to Wells Fargo's
1: branches. But how are you actually contributing if you bank there? Well,
2: the simple fact is that Every ATM fee, a certain part of it, goes to contribute to the National Rifle Association, to the gun industry. If you have a a Wells Fargo credit card and you're paying anywhere from between 21% annual rate to whatever the more predatory rate is on the cards that they offer to folks who don't have good credit, that's going to feed the gun industry. Statistically, we can tell because we have proof that they have given nearly $500 million in loans to the largest gun manufacturers to assault weapons manufacturers manufacturers, since little kids were murdered in, at uh, Sandy Hook in December of 2012, and they've given a line of credit of about $43.1 million to Sturm Ruver, who manufactured the exact weapon that was used at Parkland in October of 2018 alone. I mean, those are facts enough for me. I don't
1: know about you. Right, but like you said, okay, so not that many people know about it. I guess it happened at Pride. Uh, Gag was marching, and we happened to be in front of Wells Fargo. Let's just say we made some um, uh, gaggish kinds of uh, remarks to them and so forth. Uh, And the employees were just like completely blown away as well as like, what is going on? Why are you doing this? That's right.
2: So it was at Pride. And, you know, because the Heritage Pride is completely in over their heads and mismanages that March, but that's another story. We wound up crashing into uh, the march because we waited such a long time, and coincidentally, or you know, because of the fates, we wound up directly in front of the Wells Fargo LGBTQ employees contingent. So, what we started doing was shouting our message that Wells Fargo is the bank of the NRA. That you know, all the figures that I've just given to you. That although you know, we they say that they're allies and that they that they rainbowed up their website and their ATMs you know the reality is that they're not our friends because they even after the even the wake of of Parkland and in the wake of Pulse they continue to really go after the gun industry's business so folks in that contingent were completely shocked and somewhat aghast I can also tell you that this is one of the ways that we are going to be working on this campaign. It is a very concerted effort that we are making to educate the folks in, within the LGBTQ organization of Wells Fargo. It's a long range plan. I've already reached out to several people who are executives at Wells Fargo. I've reached out to friends who work at Wells Fargo, who, you know, Ty, who, who are fans of gays against guns, who just simply had no idea. Again. It's a partially education. It's partially street theater, but basically it's being loud and it gets back to corporate. So for example, what we're doing now,
1: right.
2: Sunday night, we did one of our first zaps here in Manhattan. We went to several locations. There were several gag members and we chalk outlined one of the gag members' bodies and then we stenciled very
1: So it basically it looks so, like a film noir murder. That's right. That's exactly right. And, and it, but it looked real. So, so how does that work? So we did that right on the threshold. In order to get to the the button that you put your card in
2: to get in the door, you have to step over this body. Oh, out wow. The body. In order to get to the front door at the adjacent lobby of the, the main traditional banking had to step over a body we did it very calculatedly where it was under the logo every logo that was in every window of the ones that we hit and we did it so the passersby or people who were coming or going or attempting to come or go into the bank saw us and interacted we did have one guy who said to us while we're spray-painting why don't you go, guys go do this in your own neighborhood And I thought that was such an elitist thing to say because, you know, the pejorative there is that because we're protesters and because we're activists that, you know, we couldn't possibly live in this posh Greenwich Village neighborhood. So I replied back and I said, this is my neighborhood. I live here. And he said, well, I live here, too, and I don't like this stuff on the street. And I said, would you rather have blood on the street? Because we're putting this paint and this fake chalk outline here so that there won't be real, real chalk outlines and real blood. Simple fact is that it's time. You know people offered thoughts and prayers after something.
1: We're offering thought and dialogue before something Well, I appreciate it um, I you have spearheaded this and you've been very passionate about it for a long time and I'm glad it finally kicked off this weekend Yeah, and, um, and we're you know, we did
2: it we, we did it before you know, and I was you know It's from the very first gag meeting. I started talking about you know following the money and you know It really does work. It really does work and people you can help it work.
1: Well, this is the change we're going to make. It well, like I said, I used to be deployed, and, and we used to follow terrorist cells, and that's one of the things you do—you have uh, find out how they're getting the money uh, before you can, um, we can really cause any damage. So, yeah, uh, less money is definitely less terror. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So he mentioned the FedEx campaign, and I know that was successful. FedEx has now divested from their funding for the uh, gun lobby. Can you talk about that?
1: Right. So in the longer version of the interview, we talked about how we have done these campaigns before. uh, And last year, um, after – well, two years. So after um, Parkland, a lot of organizations uh, broke their ties with the NRA except for FedEx. And we boycotted them, and they – the reason that uh, it was uh, a big target for us is because they gave a 26% discount to the NRA, and they also you know, shipped guns. So on the 26th of every month, we nationally, uh, with our other chapters, stood outside of FedEx's and had these signs that said, you know, boycott FedEx and uh, all these other things, and how they were in bed with the NRA now. I we've taken that as a win because they have broken their ties but at the same time, you know, there's like, well, the you know, the program's not really working, so we're just going to stop it. It was one of those things. They would never be so honest um that you can uh change the world if you uh, stand up for your rights. So, I think um I think that is sort of the theme of what we're doing is bringing attention to nobody thought that, you know, you could ship guns in in FedEx or that they were, you know, part of this big cycle we call, you know, the big circle that we call the um chain of death when when uh when gun violence is concerned. And uh now Wells Fargo is the is the, as I was saying, um, the money behind it. They're the uh, financial cell in this uh this terrorist organization as it's been recently noted to be called. But um for for this, they're we're being much more clever and we're we're allowing people to um look for themselves and say, why why is there a chalk outline here? You know, it's not something uh, that you would see any more. So I think it gets your attention, but it also brings attention to, you know, how much is are they charging you even just to use the ATM, uh, let alone if you bank there? And some of the people that they saw, uh, he said, were thankful. Like, I had no idea. You know, thank you. And in a very strange way, somebody goes, you know what? You're doing God's work. Uh, he said to him, I cut that part out, but um, I wanted to show more of like how we do get a few hecklers now and again. And then how do you, how do you deal with them? So that was the main part. Um, of their evening was just getting a lot more positive feedback. And then, of course, we had one person, but, hey, we're, hopefully we're teaching him, and he's learning that uh, if you bank there, you're, you're a part of the gun violence problem in this country.
0: Yes, and we are beginning to see a shift. So we have on the line our representative from Moms Demand Action, Sunny Moon, and she is going to be telling us a little bit about that shift so uh, let's go to Sunny. Hi, Sunny. Are you there? Hi,
3: Sarah. Yes, I'm here. Can you I'm hear here, me?
0: too. Yep. I'm, hey, I, we can hey. hear you, and we're so glad. Hi. Thank you so much for calling in.
3: <laughs> I'm sure.
0: Great. So uh, recently, Walmart, Kroger's, Publix, and other big retail chains have begun to stop their customers from bringing weapons into their stores. Uh, what has brought about this shift in culture?
3: Um. So, so I think just in the last few years, um, there's been a culture shift. Um, we haven't seen a lot of change in laws at the federal level, but there's been more and more of a culture shift. And for many people who are looking at this and saying, "Oh, this is you know this is a small step," because many of the stores actually didn't say you can't bring guns; they just said you can't open carry. Right. Um, but if, if you have to know the history to realize how big of a how big this issue is, as far as the cultural war on guns. Um, Moms Demand Action actually started campaigning for this in 2014. In 2014, a Moms Demand Action volunteer actually brought 330,000 signatures to the corporate headquarters of Kroger's, um, which is the largest grocery chain in America. They basically said they weren't even interested in hearing from us. And at that time, Moms Demand Action put up billboards um, asking these doors to not to to discourage open carry because it frightened a lot of people and for gun enthusiasts or uh, not gun enthusiasts i'm going to say gun um, people who are gun fetishists like really extreme gun lovers for them <laughs> you saw the same movie yeah for them open carry is about is a culture war it's about making everybody feel like guns everywhere is normal and it's also threatening like it's you know, it feels like they're inhibiting my First Amendment rights because I feel uncomfortable because there's somebody standing there next to me with an AR 15 or something like that. So,
1: next to your child.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, if you think about the fact that in 2014, they wouldn't even listen to us when we brought 303,000 signatures right. to not just K- Kroger's, but Walmart, CBS, all these uh, businesses saying this, it also means, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it also says these companies are willing to take a step into something that they considered, you know, murky and a third world. And they just didn't want to get involved because it was politically seen as too complicated and too divisive. But I think that with all of the shootings that we've seen, because there has been an increase in mass shootings, they um, they reached, reached a point where they feel like they have to stand up, too. And as you probably know, 145 businesses not only... Um, said you know don't open carry in our stores but they wrote a letter saying not only are we going to ask that gun owners not do the thing that we used to say was no big deal but we're asking our government to step up um, fund gun violence research and actually pass, pass gun safety laws I mean I'm I've been involved in gun violence prevention um, as a volunteer for I guess about four years I, I think can't even this is to me this is such a big shift because it's so different than what it was like even four years ago when I first started getting very involved.
1: So uh, speaking of that what strategies and actions can you tell us about uh, that moms and other groups are planning now that we're kind of in this momentum again?
3: Well so number one I, I you probably I don't um hopefully uh, everybody knows about this right now but because we have momentum um currently right now um uh uh, Chuck Schumer, Senator Schumer, is um, leading a push with an all-night debate where a lot of Democratic senators are actually taking the floor of the Senate and they're going all night to demand a vote on universal background checks. And something else that people don't realize is that Monster Action used to do things like petitions and go to, you know, go to town halls, but they supported their first candidate ever in 2016. And for many of us who are relatively new to this movement, It may seem that Moms um, has always been sort of politically active, but we haven't. So Hillary Clinton was the first candidate they ever actually endorsed. And then after that, with the midterms, they started endorsing other candidates that they felt would make gun violence prevention a priority. And so for the 2020 elections, just like we did for the midterms, we're going to get involved. Our volunteers, because we have millions of volunteers across the country, and that's why the politicians like to work with us because we show up at rallies in our red shirts, but we also do phone banking, we do canvassing. And right. so we're taking this momentum and making sure that it leads to sustainable change in our leadership to elect people who are going to listen to us. Because right now at the federal level, the problem is that they're not listening to the majority of the people. And it's and it's not the way a democracy should work. Exactly. So, so we're going to get more involved in making sure that we elect candidates and highlighting these issues and we also see um uh, continue to encourage the culture change of people saying enough is enough and it, and you can stand up to these gun and you know fetishes and say you know guns everywhere is not okay
1: all right well thank you so much for calling in sonny uh i want to have you back in the studio again because the energy is so uh different when you bring all of this information but with that big smile so thank you for uh updating the us and the, and oh, the viewers sure. tonight
3: Thank Thanks, Sunny. Thank you for Sunny. inviting me. Bye. Uh, okay, Always.
0: take care. Bye-bye.
1: Once again, you're listening to Radio Gag, the Gays Against Guns show. Um, and maybe we said something tonight that interests you. So if you'd like to see us in person, um, you can get involved in uh, gun violence prevention. We have meetings. Uh, They're here in New York. Uh, we meet every other Thursday at 7 p.m. in Manhattan at the LGBT Center. It's on 13th Street. Uh, our next meeting is next Thursday. Uh, we'll be September twenty sixth. Right, we'll be planning all kinds of things. We're going to uh, be involved in a DC uh, vigil for uh, since uh, for Sandy Hook. Um,
0: oh, the anniversary. So it's been seven years. Hook? Seven oh, wow. years for Sandy Hook, um, okay.
1: as well as other uh, things that we were planning. And, and jump on the uh, Wells uh, Farno wagon uh, and join us in some of these apps if you'd like, or hear about them. Um, you can also find us online. Where's all that info, Sarah?
0: Okay, you can go to GaysAgainstGuns.net. You can follow us at Against Guns New York on Facebook and Instagram or GagNoGuns on Twitter. Also be sure to check out our website to learn more about our gag chapters located nationwide like in L.A., D.C., Chicago, San Francisco, and Orlando. P-Town. <laughs> P-Town.
1: Uh, who were in great numbers um, during Carnival this Uh, This year. Another way to get involved is becoming a WBAI buddy. And I know a lot of you have because I've seen uh, the new kitchen here. Um, We need WBA buddies in the name of gag. It helps keeping this is a volunteer run radio show. And um, I think we're going on a year. Yes, this is is our
0: one-year anniversary right now. This show or this week? Well, uh, yeah, I'm going to say September 14th was (laughs) our first show last year. Yeah, So we're on a year now. Uh, I know many of you have been listening, and we're really excited about your listenership. One way that you can let the station know that you love what you hear on this show is to become a BAI buddy. So even that small um, small monthly donation uh, helps to give your input, helps us keep running, helps us bring you this information. And look, it's helping to change the gun culture in America. So let's keep up the good work. And helping folks. your conversations,
1: I think, with your friends on, you know, what do you do, which is why I hear a lot. So uh, we are an option if you want to get involved. We need some hell yeahs really quick. Uh, I certainly want to do a hell yeah to Ken Kidd uh, and the Wells Farno um, action that they did, the zap, if you will. Uh, so hell, hell yeah, yeah to Ken Kidd and everyone else in GAG for doing okay. that. Okay,
0: so. uh, Hell yeah to Elizabeth Warren, All who right. was pictured yesterday with one of our GAG members, Josh Jaden.
1: Oh, that's right hell, hell yeah. yeah um O'Rourke for not saying hell uh hell yeah but hell yes uh <laughs> to an assault ripe, uh, rifle ban which has happened before in this country we've had it more than once we've gotten rid of tommy guns we've gotten rid of other things before so it can happen again and i'm glad it's on this platform so hell, hell yeah. yeah once again we'll leave you with a very quick uh sing out louise clip let's take me out At the ball game, uh, and that's because I had my first Mets game the other day. So I thought I would bring that in. They got six home runs. Listen, I know baseball talk now. It was the first. (laughs) It was the the most home runs they'd ever had at a home game. Depending on, I mean, throughout the whole franchise. So both stadiums, Uh, they've had seven. Home runs in one game before. So my first game, I saw six home runs. I'm like, wow, this is kind of fun to watch. I didn't know. <laughs> and everyone's Hell like,
0: yeah. yeah, maybe there's two or three.
1: <laughs> but anyway, so once again, here we go. We're sing out Louise. Thank you, Sarah. And happy birthday.
0: Ah, oh, thank you. All right. All right. So long, everybody. Join us next week, Tuesday at 6:30 p.m. Gays Against Guns, get radio gag. Shoot me down at the
1: bar. Come to the movies
2: and watch us Fall. Come to church, come to school, kill us all, go on block, block, block any gun laws, sell your soul, have no shame. Yes, it's one, two, three strikes we lose at the old gun game.